Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Daybreak, the best place for you to get your weekly news and opinions. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader, and today we'll get advice from listeners on the best April Fool's tricks to play on friends and family. Also, we will interview librarian Acacia Ladka and learn more about her job, and after the announcement break, a news tidbit on a sea lion who was found in the middle of a road in Washington, and how this confused creature was returned to their home. Now let's get on with the show. About a week from today, February 24th, a celebration of pranks and all things funny will take place. And for those of you who have been thinking of pranking someone or surprising them, make sure to yell April Fools once you're done. Even if the coronavirus is making life miserable for everybody right now, April Fools Day is still here to make you laugh. To make sure you don't run out of pranks to play on friends and family, here are some listeners' idea to help you brainstorm. Ruby said that you could buy some small Tootsie Rolls, unwrap them, and then take mini carrots and wrap the to- wrap them in the Tootsie Wrapper and offer them to friends and family. Or you could yell, Mom, Dad, there's a mouse on the desk. When they come to look, then point at the computer mouse. Also, brother and sister, Bryn and Colin, said that you could attach a bucket filled with confetti to one of your fans or to just the ceiling and attach a string to it. Then lure one of your family members underneath the bucket and pull the string so you get showered with confetti. Or, using brown paper bags, cut a bunch of letter E's out and then tell your family you bake some fresh brownies. Get it? Brown E's? Wow, now I'm hungry. By the way, While you're planning your own pranks, make sure it doesn't involve something you and your family aren't comfortable doing. Everyone has their own definition of limits when it comes to pranks. That doesn't mean you can't play any pranks on anyone. But if you know you wouldn't like it if someone played the same prank on you, that means you should find a different one to use. It's that time again where we go from the crazy, fun world of April Fool's Day to maybe a bit more of a calmer, quieter world of reading and literature. Our next guest will be Acacia Latka, who works in the Madison Public Library System, and she's going to teach me more about what it is to be a librarian. Hi, Acacia! Hi, Pippa! So, Acacia, how did you become a librarian? Well, I am not technically a librarian, even though I work at the library. So, the difference would be a librarian is someone who went to school to earn a librarian degree. I went to school and got an English literature degree. Oh. And um, I work in the library because I, I've i worked in a couple of libraries and it was just a good place to work. So the majority of the people who work in a library are probably not actually trained librarians. We're just library employees. Wow, that's so cool. Um, so what do you have to do to become like a trained librarian other than like what you said your degree was English or English literature? Yes. Yeah. How yeah. do you become a librarian like regularly? Like So if you um like if you wanted to get a library science degree? Yes, I believe so, yes. Okay. So um 
like any um, job that you would go to college to learn a degree in, uh, library science is just another degree that you study in school. So when you're at university, there would be a program of library science, and there would be however many classes that it takes to graduate, and they would be on specific subjects related to libraries. So there are things like learning how to catalog books so that they're in the computer correctly that people can find them. Mm-hmm. Things like, you know, how how to navigate searching to get locate the books people are looking for. Uh, there's things like what kind of ways do you encourage reading amongst kids? You know, there's all sorts of different mm. classes, but they all kind of relate to people interacting with books and information. Wow, that's so cool. So um, are there many different types of librarians or is there just sort of like, can there be like programming librarians and then like head librarians or is it just sort of librarians? There, there are a lot of different kinds. So you could be a programming librarian, which might be someone who um, more specifically um, leads um, programs in the library. There could be a children's librarian, which would then um, focus more on kids at a younger age or a teen librarian for that age group. There are also um, specifically research librarians who um, don't really do, you know, kind of interaction stuff. They're mostly just there to collect a lot of data. Um, And then there'd be librarians for different types of libraries. Like if you worked in a school library, a university library, or maybe your company has a lot of materials, so you're the librarian that organizes that stuff. Wow. Um, So that sort of leads me to my next question. So I'm wondering... Are there any problems or programs, sorry, um, in the Madison Library System or others that you know of that could let kids my age volunteer? So, excuse me, I was thinking about this and I actually don't have a very good answer to that. I know there are kids who volunteer at the libraries. A lot of it just depends on a couple of things. Monroe Street is such a small library location, for instance that we don't really have a lot of extra work that we would need a volunteer to do as opposed to what the normal staff does. Hmm. But there are um, bigger libraries that would have, for instance, an art program, let's say on a Saturday, and they may have a teen volunteer at that art program to, you know, pass out papers or the paintbrushes or clean up the, you know, markers, things like that. Um, so that would differ from location to location, and um, unfortunately, with um, being at Monroe Street, I don't have very many good examples of where that would be available. Hmm. So, like, um, for example, those of you listeners who live in Madison would know that there is, in the Madison Public Library or downtown, they have the bubbler. Would teens be able to, like, um, volunteer for the bubbler or something similar to that, like, at different libraries? Yeah, I would say that um, places like the downtown library, that's rather large. Um, Sequoia, that's very, very large. Yes. Uh, Penny is a large location. Um, places like that that host more programs and have just even literally more space. 
um, would be more um, welcoming for um, volunteers. Wow, that's really cool. So um, I kind of always wanted to ask a librarian this, but um, tell me about your favorite library and what makes it so special. Well, my favorite library would have to be the library in Dingle, Wisconsin, where I grew up. Um, my parents live about three blocks away from the library in that town. And so I know, I remember as a little kid, we would get to go down there all the time. And when I was old enough, I would get to go by myself. And that was really, really fun. And it was a place that I could always go and um, my parents wouldn't worry where I was. But the other thing that makes this library special is that when I was about three years old, I broke my leg at the library. Oh, wow. What happened was, yeah. So what happened was at the library, they had a big fish tank. And I was curious. So I crawled and pulled myself up on the side of the fish tank. Oh, no. <laughs> it caused it to fall over on me. Oh, my gosh. And I broke, wow. and I broke my leg. That is crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it, was, it was a pretty wild thing. Yeah, so as a child, were you like an avid reader? Um, did you go to the library a lot for reading, or just was it like, um, what drew you to the library? Was it events, or was it reading, or just the smell of the books? <laughs> Um, I think I, I was a very avid reader, and um, my parents encouraged me to read a lot. Um, so it was nice to go down there to have uh, all the materials available. I think it was also um, just that it was close to home, so it was an easy place that I could get to yeah. and just kind of enjoy, you know, time away from the normal stuff. Mm. I don't remember doing a lot of programming as a kid, but um, I know I did kind of the summer reading stuff, and it was just a fun place to be. That yeah, librarians are. Or I mean, libraries are really. I I love reading myself, so that's 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 really great. Um, so I'm wondering, as a librarian, how has the coronavirus impacted you? Like, I know that a lot of businesses are closing. So, like, how is how is that going with you? Yeah, so it has been very impactful, as you know. Yes. The libraries here in Madison did close. Mm. Um, the biggest issue, I think, I would say is um, we interact with so many people, and we don't know necessarily anything about all the people we interact with. So it really can put a lot of people at risk for something like this virus if we were able to continue doing our normal work. Hmm. Unfortunately, that means people have less access to books and other materials. So that's been a, a big downside. And a lot of people haven't had a lot of work um, to do because they can't be in the library. Yes. So um, unfortunately, just being closed has... Um, I think been hard for all the employees, but also hard for all the community members who miss being in the library. Hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have another job as well as a librarian? Like, um, does the librarian get paid enough to be able to sustain that? Or just in case we have any listeners who maybe want to become a librarian when they grow up, would you recommend it? Sure. I would definitely recommend it. 
Um, I can tell you that I do not have another job, but um, I am married and my husband has money too, so I don't have to think about that mm-hmm. as much. I know a lot of people who work at the library have part-time positions, which does um, make it hard and not hard to get enough um, hours to, you know, be able to pay all your bills. So I think if you can get um, a full-time job in the library, you can definitely live on that income. Uh, I think most people who work part-time probably also have another job. Hmm. Okay. So how do books get transferred from library to library? Is it a bit like the postal service or like, is there something it's similar to or is it sort of its own thing? Well, I guess it's sort of similar to a post office, but it's its own um, entity. So here in Madison, there is a um, company that does all the book sorting. So basically what they do is they come around to all of the locations and they pick up materials that we've put in big red bins. And those bins um, are labeled for different locations where they need to go. So this delivery system picks up all the red bins and takes them back to their kind of sorting warehouse. And at that sorting warehouse, they separate all the bins, and then they open all the bins, and they have to look inside at all the materials. And each piece of material will have a label on it to say where it's supposed to go. So then it's someone's job to package all of the things going to one place together And um, after that's all been separated, it goes back on a delivery truck and all the things that are supposed to go to one place are driven there. And and then it starts all over again. When they arrive with things for the location they're at, they pick up all sorts of things that are trying to go to other locations and then they go back and separate it and it goes all over again. Wow, that's a lot of work. That's so cool, though. Yeah, it's a a lot of steps, um, but it makes it very handy for people who aren't very mobile themselves for them to get library materials from all over the city. Yeah. So as a librarian, um, what is the strangest thing that's happened in the library? Or what's the weirdest book you've checked out to someone? Clearly that the whole um, broken leg thing sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, any other things? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't have very many wild stories. I do, I did work in a college library when I was in college, and this university library was open 24 hours a day. So I Mm. worked in the library from 10 o'clock at night until 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah, which is sort of the time of day that most people should be sleeping. Yeah. And other times, (laughs) college students are studying. But sometimes we'd have college students who came into the library who had already been kind of partying with their friends. And one time there was, an ambulance had to come to the library and a person was taken away um, on a stretcher because they had passed out while they were studying. <laughs> but oh I'm sure the person was fine. So yeah. <laughs> it, oh was still, it was still pretty unusual. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So um, I know that sometimes my parents, or if I had a library card, if I had something overdue, I'd have to get a fine for it. So how does the system, the library system, collect people's fines? 
Right. So a fine collection for our library is based on having the item too long is basically when you would get a fine. Mm -hmm. um, and since everything is organized on a computer system, the system knows automatically if your item is um, been kept too long. So then when it does return, the computer says this person has the book three extra days. We charge 25 cents a day for um, that, and so they owe me 75 cents. Hmm. Um, most locations would accept um, money on the spot, and um, then that fine would be cleared. Sometimes, if the charge relates to something being lost, let's say, for instance, if you lost an item and you had to replace it, that money would go to the library where the who owns the item. So let's say, for instance, you checked out a book from some prairie that got lost. If you paid me in Madison, we then send that money to some prairie so that they can use it to replace the item. Wow. So um, does it work similar in other states, or is that just sort of like a Madison thing? I, excuse me. I think it works similar in other places. Um, I know that Madison has a pretty large system, so we, you know, mm -hmm. communicate with a lot of locations, um, but each place gets to decide on their own, and one thing that you will hear a lot about um, now and going forward are libraries having no fines on materials. So those places, even if you keep your book past the day it's due, they don't charge you anything for it. And that's been an important idea that libraries are trying to change to because uh, people who can't afford to pay those fines um, are often the people who need the use of library resources. So we're trying to make it easier for people who maybe can't afford things like that um, to still continue to use the library. Cool. So um, I'm just wondering, as a last question, what's your favorite book? This is a hard question. You know, I don't think I could say that I have one favorite book. I know that um, when I was a kid, I really liked things, you know, like Dr. Seuss that mm -hmm. often people like. Yeah. Um, and then as a teenager, um, I liked to read a lot of series books, you know, like we used to read Babysitter's Club when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's now a graphic now, novel series, I think, yeah. Right? Yes, yeah, they, yep, it's we read them um, just as regular books, but um, so I think the great thing about the library and being a reader is that often just like the next book you find could be your favorite one. So it's mm. fun to get to explore all of the um, titles and different genres and all the material that's available. Yeah, it's like the excitement of a library is actually quite great when you find a new book. <laughs> I agree. So thanks so much for talking to me today, Keisha. It was really great talking to you and learning more about libraries. Thank you, Pippa. It was nice to talk to you, and um, it's fun to share about libraries. After the break, we'll learn about a very confused sea lion and how she got saved. Support for the show comes from D&M Graphic Novel Library. DNM Graphic Novel Library is a library subscription service that delivers quality graphic novels to your door in the Madison Dudge Monroe area. 
for $7 a subscription. Tune in later this year to learn more about the summer subscriptions. Thanks, and back to the show. The break is over. Now, back to the show. In late February, a 500-pound stellar sea lion was found wandering around on a country road. Deputies had explained to ABC News that they thought the sea lion had reached the area after it traveled up a nearby creek north of the Calais River. Once this confused creature was found by state wildlife officers in the late evening, they learned that they didn't have enough resources or people to rescue the large sea animal that night, so they decided to help it in the morning. The problem with that decision was, though, during the night the sea lion had ventured inland and was spotted numerous times on the road or even in people's driveways. Once the Colitz County Sheriff, Colitz County Humane Society, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, and the WDFW caught up to it in the morning, they managed to get the poor thing, with lots of hard work and determination on the volunteers' part, into an enclosure atop a large transport vehicle headed for the Columbia River, where it could finally be released as a normal, healthy sea lion again. Fun fact! Stellar sea lions, like the one described in this segment, are named after Gorg Wilhelm Steller, who, in 1741, first described their attributes. Hi, thanks so much for listening to Daybreak. I'm your host, Pippa Schrader. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes of Daybreak, and I have a big thank you to give to Ruby, Bryn, Colin, and especially Acacia Latka, who works in the Madison Public Library System, and who we interviewed today. Before I go, I have a question for all you listeners out there. Do you have a favorite book? Maybe it's one that Acacia mentioned today in her interview, or it's one that you have all your own. Maybe you wrote it, or maybe someone you know wrote it, or maybe it's just from far away or in a different language. Well, whatever it is, we want to hear what it is so then we can put it on our next episode on April Fool's Day next week. Make sure that you send it in on the poll link, so click the poll link underneath on the show notes, and then make sure you put in your name, and then you put in the title of your favorite book. And if you want to, you can also put in where you live, what city, but you, that's only optional. Thanks so much, and have a great rest of your day. Pippa Schrader, signing off.